Good morning, everyone. I am Pastor Mark. Um, if you don't know me, I'm the founding pastor of our church. And uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, uh, I transitioned out from being the lead pastor, and Pastor Eric became the lead pastor. And currently, I uh, lead uh, our ministry through the Red Eye to raise um, uh, resources for local and global gospel initiatives. And also, I do a lot of work at uh, and teach at FSU. And I get the blessing of being able to uh, come in and speak about once a month uh, with, with you guys, and it's, it's awesome. Uh, who was here last week, by the way? Okay, that was like such an awesome message that Pastor Eric gave. It was, it was so cool, and especially someone who, who loves you too, and, and just the, you know, him kind of tying that in with, with Scripture and things like that was really powerful. In fact, who went home and listened to some U2? Yeah, some of you. I, I, I kid you not. I walked into my house, and I'm like, Alexa, <laughs> seriously, Alexa, play U2. And I kid you not, next thing I heard was unos, dos, tres, Catros, yeah, and it was awesome, and I, I was rocking it out, and it was just like, it was so cool, you know, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, because you weren't here, uh, you should check out the Vimeo, uh, we broadcast or, or record every message so you can watch that, uh, it's really worth it, but uh, so I just want to bring us back to um, the second book uh, in, in the First Testament, Exodus, and actually wanted to read that scripture, right? So uh, chapter 3, not verse 5, but verse 15. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. I absolutely love Exodus chapter 3 and 4 because it's about call. It's about God intervening into the normal mundane activities of a fellow human being's life and radically changing the course of his life and the lives of millions of others. And if you weren't here, just to recap, this is the... The, the time when God came and spoke to Moses through the burning bush. And that's what Pastor Eric talked about last week. This week, I'm going to be talking about the resistance that Moses gave. Because he was scared. That he had legitimate fears. Egypt was the greatest empire the world had ever known that he was one guy, he was wanted for murder, that he uh, had all sorts of uh, things going against him, except one thing, God called him and chose him to make himself known and to make things right, to bring justice to an unjust situation. So we're actually going to be in Exodus chapter 4, Starting in verse 1, sorry, I have no U2 songs to, uh, to reference to that. So if you open up your Bibles 
it starts out, but Mo, Mo, but Motes, <laughs> but Moses protested again. Again, he is in great resistance. He doesn't want to do this. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Now, what we're going to see through this conversation is God is going to bring Moses basically through a therapy session and and basically helping him realize that God has entrusted him with everything that he needs to make the change that he wants to see. And I think that this is important to note that a lot of times when we read these things and we don't really quite understand like what God, why God is asking questions and things like that, I believe that God is having that conversation to give us the relational space to see what He sees. The conversation isn't necessarily for God's benefit. It is for our benefit. It's kind of like when, when uh, He had Adam observe nature and see the male and female uh, uh, animals, you know, kind of their own private, his own private wild kingdom going on, and, and uh, him finally realizing, hey, I don't have a partner, and God gave him a partner. And the same thing is going on here with Moses, that, that through this conversation, God is going to address some deep-seated issues that are in Moses' life to help him realize that God is, wants to use him in order to set the people of Israel free. So Moses replied, a staff is in my hand. So what's a staff to a shepherd? What's it, what's it symbolize? His authority? His what? His stability? His identity, I'm a shepherd. I have a stick with a hook. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I, I, I yeah, that, that's good. His livelihood, his protection, maybe even his frailty. Like just you know, like you know, hey, I'm stumbling and and uh, I can I can use my my shepherd staff. But it it really uh, it, you know, and, and his protection, and it's all of these kind of things wrapped up into one. But most, you know, it's the tool of his trade. It is his profession. In verse 3, God says, Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake. You ever see people like post on Facebook like pictures of snakes, and they say, what kind of snake is this? I always reply, a scary snake. <laughs> Because they're all scary to me. But so uh, it turned into a scary snake. Moses jumped back. The Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. That's where I'd be done. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and it turned back into the shepherd's, shepherd's staff in his hand. Verse 5, perform this sign, the Lord told him. And then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. 
And I think that this is the first thing that in a lot of us that God has to deal with in our lives is this control issue. That I control my career. I control my life trajectory. I, I control my retirement. I control all of these things. But the reality is that the, those of us who want to be used mightily by God have to give Him control. I think like when I became a follower of Christ, one of the biggest things for me was this control issue because I had a lot of things planned out, how I wanted my life to be. Ironically, my life was completely out of control. And the paradox was, I, I told people um, part, as part of my testimony, is when I threw down my shepherd's staff that, that, and I gave up control to God, it was the first time I actually uh, experienced control in my life because God was now controlling it. Throwing down the staff. You know, I love the imagery of this, of, of him throwing it down. When you release something, what happens? Well, your hand opens to just receive. Pastor Eric talked about that, absolutely. But what else happens? It falls. It, it goes down. And, and you release all part of it. You know, I kind of, whenever I think about this and read the scripture, I, I think about when I really first understood this principle. I was actually a little kid. I, I'm not sure how old I was. Uh, one year, my family went uh, to a place called Lake Powell with a bunch of other families, and we did boat camping, which was a whole lot of fun. I'm not sure why I never did it with my kids. Um, I would have made them walk the plank anyway, but... Uh, so as we were going around, Lake Powell had all these uh, uh, like ledges and cliffs and, and, and things like that. And all the kids who are pretty much all older than me, they love to climb up these cliffs and, and jump, them off, jump off them. And in my kids' minds, you know, these were huge, like, you know, 80-foot cliffs, you know. And I, I'm sure if I went back today, it would probably be about that high. But, but I remember finally being... Uh, convinced to go and jump off one of these, you know, massive world record cliffs, right? And I remember getting up to the edge and looking over, and I was just holding back and holding back. And I was like, man, I'm, I don't know. I don't know if I have the courage. And then I, I finally mustered up the energy to jump off, a.k.a. my brother pushed me. <laughs> and I remember falling and thinking, huh, I really can't do anything about this situation. <laughs> like, there's one outcome. It's going to happen. I'm going to hit the water. And I remember hitting the water and just I had this overwhelming just like sense of fear. And then when I started coming up, and I broke through the surface, I just started laughing and smiling. And I couldn't wait to uh, climb back up that 120-foot cliff and jump off again, right? And it, it's this idea that, you know, throwing, down, throwing it down 
and honestly releasing it to the point where you're like, you know what? God, if you don't catch me, if, if the water's not there, if the water's not soft or deep enough, that, you know what? I am doomed without a supernatural intervention. I think so many times, in a, you know, this control issue is so solid in our lives, and, and we, I think if we are honest as Christians, fight it all the time. Because, you know what, we love the story of Moses parting the Red Seas. We love the story of Peter walking on water. But they had to give up control. Like, think about God calling Moses out to part the Red Sea. And there's a million of his friends and family standing behind him. And if it didn't part, you know how foolish he would have looked? Or Peter getting out of the boat and then sinking to the bottom. And John or looking and go, Peter just drowned. Huh, that was stupid. You know, or, or Joshua walking around Jericho seven times, blowing a horn. What if the walls didn't come down? And I think that we, we fight these control because we think we know better. But I can tell you, part of my story in giving up control was because I wanted to have a supernatural intervention in my life. I wanted to experience the supernatural power of God. And I was tired of the mundane. I was tired of what I could control and what I could experience. But there is this reality that, you know what? If you want to experience the supernatural power of God, you have to release. And say, you know what? I have no guarantees. I may sink to the bottom. I may have missed it and, and, and the Red Sea may not part. The walls may stand up or keep up. But you know what? I would rather look like a fool then go on one more day living a natural life that I can predict and understand. In verse 6, God goes to the next thing with Moses and he says to Moses, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, it was white as snow with severe skin disease. Thanks, God. Appreciate that. Then he says, now put your hand back in your clo cloak. Do you think he hesitated? Like, what's next? A snake's going to bite it off. I don't know. This is like crazy, God. Now put your hand back in your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in. When he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. So what's God trying to communicate here? I think God's trying to communicate that he is in control of our health that, and, and that he can make our brokenness whole again. 
I think that there's an important principle that, that we need to learn. And he's trying to teach Moses that the adversity that we go through in life and the circumstances, they do not exclude us from ministry. They prepare us for ministry. That I believe if you look at some of the most powerful or probably all of the ministries in life, that they are born out of brokenness. Um, I have uh, some friends, uh, uh, Brady and Janelle Irwin, and uh, they they started a uh, a foundation called the Hang Tough Foundation because um, uh, out of a time of brokenness for them four years ago, their son was was diagnosed with uh, cancer. He had a 10%, uh, he was given a 10% chance of living. And one thing that they realized during that time, even though they had friends and family, there wasn't really a support structure around them that, that could help them through this really difficult time. In fact, our friends, the Singletaries over here, went through a similar uh, experience. In fact, Carrie over there with her fresh new haircut, she does that every year to raise money. It's called 46 Mamas. And it symbolizes that 46 mamas every single day learn that their, their child has been diagnosed with cancer. And we have a choice in life. We can let our brokenness identify us and kill us and, and, and bring us to a place of isolation. Or we can allow God to use that, even though it still hurts and it's painful. And I want to be very clear about that. That this is real hurt and real pain. And you know what? Not every family's child goes into remission. In fact, I was talking with Janelle just this week, and a lot of the families that she interacts with, you know what? Their story did not end up happy. I've had a lot of conversations with Tim that, that you know what? It, they were blessed to have their son go into remission, but there's a lot of families that they know that that's not true. So what I'm talking about in brokenness in giving it to God doesn't mean that, you know what, your sense of happiness or, or is going to happen. But you know what? This idea that in real pain, that you can allow that pain and brokenness destroy you or you can allow God to use it to bless others. And I think that this is what he's trying to show in this conversation, giving Moses the relational space to say, you know what, I can use this. I am control. I am in control. You're not in control. And that I can use, no matter what is going on in your life, to have justice be brought, to have the gospel, the good news, be brought to the hurting. In verse 8, continues on, it says, The Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs, 
then take some water from the Nile River, pour it out on the ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. And this is the third thing that I think that that God is, is trying to show Moses, to have him understand. That there is no opposition greater than God. You see, the Nile River in Egypt represented everything. Do you know that in the ancient world that the most densely populated place on earth was on the Nile River? Do you know that that is actually, it is still one of the most densely populated places in the modern world? Why? Because the Nile represents food and water and power and nourishment. It is the giver of life. In fact, the Egyptians had a a god associated with the Nile River called Happy. Different than our happy, but uh, H-A-P-I. And, and they viewed this God, the God who would bring the flooding and, and would nourish all of the fields and, and bring in the new, the new dirt and all those kind of things. And um, happy was an uh, 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 intersexed God. It was both male and female showing that happy was in complete control. There was complete sustainability. And God is saying, Moses, this is what I want you to do. You know, the staff thing and the snake is cool and, you know, the the brokenness thing. But I want you to go right to the, the power structure, the power center of the greatest empire that the world has ever known who is enslaving millions of my people. And I want you to scoop the water out and pour it out and it'll turn to blood and they'll know, they'll get the message that, you know what? God is coming and he is, our God, capital G, is more powerful than your lower G, God. So go do that, Moses. Petrifying. The opposition. But the reality is, as unjust as slavery was in ancient Egypt, and the atrocities of of slavery in ancient Egypt, there was a reason there was slavery in ancient Egypt. Because it benefited a few powerful at the expense of others. And God is saying, you know what? This is not my ideal for my creation. That oppression and injustice is not what I want. And I want you to go up against this power structure and tell the power structure to let my people go. I think a lot of times in our minds, we like to switch off and say, think of Moses as not a real person, or Egypt is not a real government. Because you think about the, 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 the weakness of a shepherd going up against the greatest power the world has ever seen to that date. 
with great symbolism of, of pyramids and sphinx. And God's saying, you know what? I want you to go. I want you to give up control and I don't want any excuses about your brokenness because I will fulfill and I can make those whole and I will heal you to the point that you need to be healed. And I want you to go and do this. And then the final thing in verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Okay, Lord, I got the control thing. Staff's down. Got the hand thing. You're in control. Got it. And uh, the power thing. But you know what? I am not very good with words. I have never been and I am not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? And then the next two words, I think, is the price of admit, or worth the price of admission today. If we could just all as, as Christians do this, now go. Now go. Go with what you know. It says, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. And then the hero of our faith, the one that we point to and say, Moses, what a man of God, again, pleads, please send anybody else but me. Please send anyone else but me. I'm happy being a shepherd. I like my sheep. I got my 401k. I got, you know, what other else things that come along with sheep. God, the, you know, the, 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 the snake thing was cool, and I get it. The, the hand thing, a little terrifying, a little creepy, but I, I, I got it. You, you know, isn't that enough? The water, isn't that good enough? And God, I, I can't even speak. I just want to be by myself and do my own thing and, and that be it. And God's like, no. There is a great injustice happening. The people are being oppressed, Moses. And I am calling you to be my ambassador to have my people go free. In verse 14, Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? If you're not laughing right now, you, you need to search YouTube. I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak. 
and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. I think the final principle that that God is trying to instruct Moses in is this idea of isolation is not an option when you are part of the family of God. In fact, isolation is from the enemy. In fact, I'd even go so far to say, you cannot know God without knowing community. You may be saying, whoa, wait a second, Pastor Mark. What do you mean by that? Well, think about it. We know God as community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in perfect community made up as what we know as God. Everything that God does and makes is in community. Our whole ecosystem is in community with air and water, plants and all of these things. In fact, if you think about isolation, isolation is the number one tool of the enemy and death. Talking about Animal Planet again. You know, you ever watch Animal Planet and they're on the Serengeti and they always got like the same guy doing the narration, right? We have the gazelles. They are happy and making their migration. Happy gazelles. But wait, there's a lion. What is the lion going to do? We all know what the lion's going to do. This story always ends the same way. The lion comes out, you know, and he comes, and what's he do? He isolates a gazelle. And the gazelle runs around, and then the other lions come. Gazelle dead. I didn't write the story. I'm just telling you about it. You know, don't get mad at me. This is how Satan works. In fact, the Bible tells us that that Satan is like a roaring lion looking around the world for someone to devour. When we isolate, we are pulling ourselves out of the better or the bigger and larger story of God. In fact, the whole metaphor of the body of Christ is that of many different parts making up the whole that each and every one of us, by using our gifts and our talents, come together to be the incarnation of Christ in this lost and hurting world. The enemy isolates. And I think what he's trying to teach Moses and maybe he's trying to teach us today is that we need others, that we need to recognize that we can't do it all. We need to Ask for help. This was one of the hardest principles for me to, in life to learn. Was, hey, I can't do this on my own. I need you to help me. And then bond with others. Paul talks about this in, in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 in verse 8. It says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. He's talking about thorn in the flesh. 
you know, that might be depression, it might be divorce, it may be a sick child, it may be who knows what it is. And each time God came back and he said, my grace is sufficient for you. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And the power of Christ works supernaturally and sometimes it works supernaturally through one another. And then finally in verse 7, it says, And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I've shown you. Let me leave you with this. There's, we all have reasons why we can't. We can't heal the sick. We can't feed the hungry. We can't have that meeting to talk to somebody who's in deep pain. We can't make that call that the Holy Spirit is, is prompting us to do. We all have reasons. But it all comes down to, I think, one thing, and that's fear. It's fear. We're, fear we're, we're afraid if we give, we won't have enough for ourselves. And that's not just money, that's time and that's energy. And when we do that, we're in essence isolating ourselves. The antithesis of God's plan for His church to be interreliant, to work together. For where I am weak, you are strong. So together we can be the incarnation of Christ and be the good news to this lost and hurting world. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, I think says it best. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You know what this communicates to me? When I am afraid, when I feel that the Holy Spirit is calling me to do something and I'm afraid, I know that's from the enemy. I know that the enemy is like a lion trying to isolate me. To devour me. And to transcend that fear, to reflect back on these things and saying, you know what? God preserved this conversation with Moses because this is the same conversation that each and every one of us need to have. That you know what? We all have control issues. And God has been quietly or maybe not so quietly to you saying, throw down your staff. And maybe we do that. But at some point, let it go. Who knows? God may do something miraculous with that staff. Or your brokenness. Pain is real. I don't want to minimize pain. But I've had pain in my life. I have pain in my life. I know you have pain in your life. And that pain 
and that brokenness can identify, be your identity. I'm an addict. I'm depressed. I have anxiety. I have dyslexia. I have this. I have that. I got divorced. I, you know, whatever. I don't want to discount all those things cut deep. But maybe it's time to put your hand in your cloak one more time and pull it out. Say, you know what? This is true of my life, but I give it to God to allow Him to bless others through it. Or maybe the conversation is oppression or, uh, or um, uh, uh, just opposition. Maybe you're just afraid that the, the task is too big, that the powerful are too powerful. And maybe you need to hear today that, you know what? Your God is a big G God. And Moses went up against the greatest empire. And you know what? You can too. There's no guarantee that it'll work out. But I guess the question you have to ask yourself is, are you really content with how you can plan the rest of your life until you assume room temperature? Or are you ready to jump off that cliff? Are you ready to throw down that staff? And then finally, the isolation part. Our whole society pulls us to isolation. I'm a self, you know, rugged individual. I made myself. Okay. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that God came to bring us and to introduce us into community that we can be interreliant on one another to be the incarnation of Christ. Throw it down. That is the way to experience the rich and abundant life Christ came to give us. The world is crying for us to do it. We pray with you.